Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Tom in Alvarado, how are you today? I'm okay, how are you? Good. I'm calling about my little old house out here in Alvarado. Um, It's got a crawl space, wood floor. Uh, Well, there's one little section that has a a slab on it, but the main house is just wood flooring. Mm -hmm. And when it gets, when it gets, you know, below freezing, especially after several days in a row, the floor is cold. Yep. Which, uh, you know, that's not comfortable. (laughs) And so, you know, and it's got kind of like aluminum skirting, I guess you would call it, Uh um, most of the way around. And I crawled around under there, and there doesn't seem to be any kind of insulation or barrier or anything. And I'm not familiar with what you're supposed to do. Get you a good pair of fuzzy slippers. (laughs) I've got mine on today, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, truthfully, a lot of times people want to put, like, fiberglass insulation underneath there and staple it up, and that will cause the wood to rot because it'll hold moisture in it, which just Uh rots out the wood. If you, uh, you know, really... If you insist on wanting to put some insulation, and it it will help a little bit, but it doesn't help a great deal. Uh, but you can use a spray foam closed cell foam insulation, and uh, they can. Okay. You, you really only need an inch or two underneath there because most of the time, what you're feeling is is more of a kind of the the cool air drafting up through the floors than it is the the wood itself getting cold. And so just that little bit of insulation kills all that, but the closed cell doesn't hold moisture, so it doesn't cause wood rot either. Okay. And would it help if I put, if I took the skirting off and actually kind of put, built a um, a wall or something down to the, to the ground? Because it's just, you know, really some, uh, you know, siding, aluminum siding, or what do you call it, like... Like you like you used to would uh, skirt in a trailer. Sure, it, it really won't uh, because what you're in the summer months when you crawl underneath that house, it's going to be kind of nice and cool. In the winter months, mm-hmm. it's warmer than the air outside, and uh, you know you got to keep the ventilation going because otherwise it'll it'll actually start to sweat underneath there, and again, okay. cause problem. And one of the issues people run into is. They always want to close those vents up, trying to temperature control it that way, and that just makes the matter worse. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> fuzzy slippers. <laughs> I will tell you, if you go to Land's End, you can order a really nice pair. And then they, uh, I replace mine once every ten years, and then they hold up really well. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. You bet. You take care. And again, our number, 1-800-288-9227. And honestly, I grew up in a house built in 1926. Uh, yeah, I, I get it how the floors do feel like they're cool. But, you know, quite honestly, if you've got a slab and you have tile or you have wood on it, you get the same effect. The The cool 
when it's cold outside, the coolness transfers in through the concrete and gets the, the floors cold inside as well. And it's, it's just one of those things you're not going to eliminate it. So get you a nice pair of slippers to wear in the house or, or shoes or whatever you want to wear to pr- protect your feet. And uh, it's a far less expensive and does a better job for you. Linda in Fairview, my system, my HVAC system is soon to be 20 years old. Many of the systems in the development area where I live started to fail. I understand there will be a big increase in new systems next year. My question is, should I go ahead and replace my system now rather than waiting for the inevitable failure? Thank you. Well, there will be an increase. Is it a, a huge increase? That's you know really up to you as far as what you call a huge increase. Right now, what I'm seeing is the equipment for a normal install is probably going to cost anywhere from three to five hundred dollars more to purchase, and that's I'm talking about for the contractor to purchase. So you know how much more they're going to mark it up. Uh, I can't say, but yes, there will be an increase. The other thing you want to watch on the new systems is what coolant they're using. Some of the manufacturers are going to a proprietary type coolant, which means that typically it's going to have to be an, a uh, technician or company that works with that particular brand all the time to service it. Uh, I would think most technicians are going to carry all the coolants, though, so I don't know how big an issue that's going to be. But my biggest fear is you get one of these coolants that's a proprietary and the manufacturer decides to switch to a different coolant. How long will the old coolant be available and at what cost? So, you know, that that's kind of going to be the, the bigger thing. Right now... Uh, several of the manufacturers are going to stick with the 410A, and you are very uh, safe staying with that uh, because that one will be available for long term. So um, I, I don't see any issues with using that coolant. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. I don't see it being jacked up in price. But as far as your system, yeah, you're probably better off to go ahead and look at replacing it now rather than waiting till next summer, especially if you think it may go out next summer. Because I can tell you the better pricing on equipment and the labor to install it happens at this time of year uh, than it does at you know peak heat when everybody's systems are going out. So hopefully that'll help you out, Linda. You know, right now is the time of year that everybody's going to start... Pr- well, shouldn't I, I shouldn't say start. People are already putting up Christmas lights. And every year, people get injured. You know, ladder injuries are, they're tough. And uh, even firefighters and stuff sometimes will have issues when they're doing it at their own house. So make sure that your ladders are secure and don't try to lean over and stretch too far out when you're hanging the lights. Just move the ladder and be safe about it. Uh, I did a, a video years ago about doing uh, hanging Christmas lights and stuff, and one of the, the things that I always recommend is don't use a staple gun. It's too easy to run the staple through the wire instead of on both sides of it. 
Um, and if, especially if you're doing it on the roof, those plastic clips they have that slide up under the shingles, they work great. And you can get them where it holds all the lights in a, a nice upright condition position or you can get it where you just string the lights through them that's quite frankly the the ones i typically use but that is the best way to hang the christmas lights and not have to worry about them uh you know uh, shorting out and stuff like that because you're not taking chances with the stapler the other issue with using a stapler and you're stapling into painted wood you've now punctured a hole in there as soon as moisture starts getting through there, and it will eventually get through there, what's going to happen is the paint will start to blister. And that's where you end up with peeling paint, So is when moisture gets behind and into the wood. So let's just avoid all that and just use the plastic clips. And quite frankly, it's usually faster to put them up, and I can guarantee you it's faster to take them down using those uh, little plastic clips email question that came in this came from bruce in north richmond hills actually came in this morning and he's got a ceramic tile flooring problem on the first floor jimmy have a two-story town home that is two years old it has a concrete foundation overlaid with 12 by 9 ceramic tiles on the entire first floor of 800 square feet Nine months after moving in, we noticed a hollow sound when we walked in one area of the family room. We tapped on the tiles, and a section of about 10 by 10 was hollow, meaning there was a problem with the flooring adhering to the concrete floor. It has progressively worsened, and one night we heard a pop, and another section of flooring came loose. Two rows of tiles near the wall popped up into an upside-down V-shape. There are no cracks on the sheetrock indicating a foundation issue. The builder, installer, did issue us a check to have it replaced. I would prefer to install the tile again, but am open to waterproof laminate. What precautionary steps should be take to ensure this doesn't repeat? Should I have the foundation checks? Thanks for your assistance. Well... Now, I don't believe you have a foundation problem. This is not an uncommon problem. Um, the floor where it did the up, upside-down V, we call tenting, uh, typically, because uh, because basically it looks like a pop tent. And normally what causes that, we get a lot of these kind of calls that do West Foundation Repair uh, at this time of year because as cold fronts come through, the temperature change pops the seal in it makes the uh, floors stand up that way. Does it do it to all of them? Absolutely not. Um, you know, truthfully, given the age of this, uh, normally I, I get these questions when a tile floor's been in in about 20 years, not two years. Uh, to be honest, what I'm really questioning is, did they clean the concrete well enough before putting the floor in? You know, a lot of times they'll they'll just come in and sweep it off and boom, let's throw the tile down you got to do a little more than that Uh, typically you clean it you vacuum it and in some cases you even have to wash the floor because if there's any residue any dust left on the floor when you put down your mastic or grout or you know whatever you're going to use to adhere it it's not sticking straight to the concrete and it will pop loose 
So personally, you know, if, if you want tile back, I would absolutely go with tile again. Just make sure everything is cleaned up good and you use a good high-end adhesive. Uh, personally, right now, I like going with the uh, synthetics that are already pre-mixed and, and everything is uh, ready to go for you. And they offer a little bit of waterproofing as well on some of them. So you may want to take a look at that. Traditionally, I have always used a mortar-based that you mix on-site, spread it, and you know do your uh, tile laying that way. And it's it's uh, in fact my house. I put my floors in about 20 years ago that way, and it's been fine. I haven't had any issues yet. Uh, however. I will be replacing those floors probably uh, after the first of the year sometime. Not not right away, but it's coming up just simply because it's time for something new. Uh, as far as doing a uh, precautionary, that's really it. I mean, make sure everything is good and clean before the floors go in. That's what typically gets people in trouble. Look, you know, I was watching the news this morning. They're they're talking about the rain we're having today and how we are now ahead of rain, you know, up through September. We were way behind and in a severe drought. Look, this rain has not sunk into the soils yet. And so, yes, overall, our rain levels are back up where they should be. This helps with lake levels and things like that. What it does not help you with, though, is your soil conditions. If you dig down just inches into the soil, it's dry because the soils will only absorb an eighth of an inch of rain an hour. Everything else runs off and that does nothing to help expand the soils around your home. So uh, if you've got an irrigation system for the foundation, keep it going. You need that in order to keep your foundation in good order. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Now, when we left, I was talking with Scott, and uh, Scott, you had another question. Oh, yes, uh, thanks for the second question here. Uh, what is the, the benefits uh, and negatives of a pier and beam device, just a uh, regular slab? Well, it, it really depends on the soils that you're on. On, on which foundation you should use. So typically what happens is a, a soils boring should be done and the soils engineer will say, okay, this soil is really suited for pier and beam versus a slab, uh, that type of situation. Uh, and then they will design and tell you if it is going to be a slab, you should have beams of such and such depth and should have piers on it. Uh, if it's a block and base or a pier and beam, you know, if, if uh, you just need to set pads on the surface or drill them down into the ground. So uh, it really all comes from the soils engineer uh, as far as which one is best. Okay. Is it, so it's just how hard the ground is? Yeah. How much it moves. It really is the expansiveness. What? what it, where are you looking at building? Uh, somewhere uh, north of Decatur. Uh, okay. You know where Forestburg is? Uh, I'm not familiar with Forestburg, but I, I do know north of Decatur. And when you know when you go up in through there, you've got some areas that are fairly uh, expansive. Like when you get up into Bowie, for instance, that they got some really expansive soils there. 
Uh, but other areas, they actually have uh, quite a bit of rock like the hill country does. So uh, it, it'll depend on exactly where it's going to be. But if you're in rocky soil, you can go with a slab and not have any issues. If you're going to get into the more expansive soils or you need to have it elevated some, then I would recommend the, the crawl space. You know, it okay. used to be, they, they, the reason they switched, because all homes used to be crawl space, uh, the concrete became cheaper to do than a crawl space type foundation. Nowadays, they're neck and neck in price, and so it really doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Well, that's, okay, well, that makes sense. But I just, you know, moved to Dallas a while back, and we just had we have a slab, and it's just been one problem after the other because the movement of our of the of the clay, I think it is, sure. below us. Uh, the, yeah, that yeah. black gumbo clay soil. Uh, <clears throat> I've I've made a really good living over the years with that stuff. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, sir. Thank you. you. You take care. John, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hello, Jim. Hey, the other day, there's water dripping from my uh, bathroom on the second floor. So I went up, checked, and uh, I found the, uh, uh, I guess the flapper in the tank mm-hmm. was stuck partially open. So water was continuing to run. So, you know, after I put it back in its right place and reflushed it and then it fell back in where it should go, uh, the water stopped running. I mean, stopped leaking through the ceiling. So would that would that wax seal be bad or just, are my pipes bad? Drainage well, pipes. Yeah, it would more than likely be in the pipe. Oh shoot! Okay, yeah. So. Because the, the wax seal, although it does keep water, I mean, it could be the wax seal, but uh, I my guess is it's going to be a leak in the pipe itself. Okay. Well, the house is built in '76. So, what type of what what kind of pipe would they have in there? More than likely, it it's going to be PVC. PVC pipe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But it so could the, be just a joint that that is leaking or something like that. Probably yeah. nothing real major. Well, but to get to it, you'd have to, what, take the ceiling or cut a hole mm, in the ceiling to get to it? More than, so yes. On the second floor. Yeah. Now, here's what I would do first, though. Uh, I, I would remove the toilet and okay. get a test ball to run down the pipe. Yep. And, you know, fill it with water and see if it holds. Because if it holds... Oh, okay. The pipe's good. Uh, you just have to replace the wax. You're done. Now, you get a what? Test ball? Yeah, it's called a test ball. And basically, you, you'll have to find out what size, whether you got a three or four inch pipe. More than likely, it's okay. going to be a three inch. And you hook it up to an air hose uh, okay. that, that that has stems on it, just like a, a tire does. Mm-hmm. And you run it down the pipe a few feet hook it up to a hand pump and air it up so that it holds the, the water and blocks the pipe so that the water okay, can't gotcha. exit. Okay. And uh, that, right. that that way you know for sure. Now, any plumber can do that for you, but if you want to do it yourself, that's what you would do. Very good. Now, my second question is, my bathroom downstairs mm-hmm. a couple of years ago was was getting a real foul odor coming, so I checked around the base of the, 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 the uh, commode, I guess, and it was cracked. 
so I cut all that, you know, peeled all that stuff out, put a fresh ring of uh, uh, caulk around it, uh-huh. and it worked great. So about two months ago, the stuff started cracking again, and so the same thing. So I recracked it. I mean, cleaned all the old crack out or stuff, and then the, and I re re uh, caulked it. Now. I've seen a lot of potties that don't have any caulk around the bottom. So is that, right. is that now would that be the would that be the uh, wax ring again or not? Yes. I mean not again. That but would it. that would be the wax ring. Okay, gotcha. Okay, good. Okay, all right. And yes, it, it shouldn't have to have the the caulking around it to seal it. Uh, yep. Typically, people so, yeah. do that just for looks. No, it's it's not mm-hmm. supposed to be for sealing. Yeah. Now the wax rings are really there. Yes, it does stop the water, but it, it's there also for the uh, for the sewer smell that he was talking about. But yes, it is a sealer for the water. But um, on the on that second floor, mm, it's, it's such a small amount of water should be running through that pipe. I don't know. I got a. A hard time believing it was the wax ring that was putting the water on the ceiling. I'm betting it would it that there's going to be a joint that is bad, and the reason you typically don't have the water coming through is when you flush a toilet, the water rushes through fast enough, it's not backing up on the the joint. So, just a guess though. That's that's reason for the test to verify everything. We're gonna head out to Wharton and Mike. How can I help you today? Yes, sir. I moved into a new house about less than six months ago, and I know that some of the bricks, individual bricks, have got cracks in them. And uh, I want to know if I should be concerned about it or get them analyzed, or what would you do? Well, you're saying it's just an individual brick. It's not a crack running down the wall or anything, right? That's correct. There are some bricks that are designed to have that as part of their decorations. Hmm. And even even if it's not, I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, you know, unless unless it's a a, a a crack that's coming down the wall or stair stepping or something like that, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's really nothing to worry about because the brick is just a veneer. Uh, it's right. it's no different than putting siding on the home. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Okay. And uh, thanks for getting back with me. You bet, Mike. You have a merry Christmas. You too. Bye. Bye. Yeah, I, uh, we we look at a brick home as being a solid home, but I mean that stuff is just stacked up there. It's really not uh, anything structural to speak of. Alan, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How you doing? Uh, I have a concrete driveway that runs by my front door. It's about five, four feet from the front door. There's a concrete ledge that comes out. Anyway. The concrete driveway has settled in a little, little low spot, and um, I was trying to figure out how to get rid of the water that stands there after it rains. Um, and someone had suggested to uh, put a to cut a hole in it and put a grate, a steel grate, maybe six eight inches wide, maybe two feet long, three feet long. And put rock or gravel or crushed rock underneath it, you know, in the ground. But dig out the run, couple two three feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, does that make any sense for starters? <laughs> well, yes and no. Where are you going to take the water to? Because if all you do is is one little area there that you've got the rock and gravel, I mean, the kind of rains we get, it's instantly going to be full. 
Well, the, the amount of standing water we get is very limited. So, um, well, not, but the, uh, but the it, amount it, of rain we get will fill that low spot, uh, and and then that that water is still going to sit there on the driveway. Oh, because oh, so right now actually the excess rain is just going off and it's leaving a little residue. You mean? Yeah. Right, right, right now. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so uh, the, the trick would be to get to, to to move the water somewhere. Correct. But that that requires digging up a, a lot of driveway to get to it. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You'll either have to uh, dig some driveway or or trench it. Or uh, what, did it always have this draining drainage issue? No, uh, I I believe the concrete settled there. Okay. It's, you it's can dip, it's, but it's, you can yeah. mud pump it or or inject some urethane underneath it to pick it up and and uh, keep you know put it back like it was for the water to run off. Then, uh, who, well, when you say I could, I couldn't. Uh, who well, does it? <laughs> no, but you you can hire a wonderful company like Do West Foundation Repair, my company. I've heard I've heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, uh, you know, we're, I, we're just down the road from you, and, and yeah, we can take care of that for you. All right, I'll give you all a call. Let me ask you a question. If sure. I figure out some way to put a grate there and get the water down and move it out, how do you, uh, four-inch standard driveway thickness, all right? Right. Um, how do you create a ledge for the grate? The grate's an inch thick, you know, an inch and a half, yeah. an inch and a half. You, you got two ways of doing it, depending on the grate system you're using. Uh, sometimes what you have to do is cut the concrete and literally just break it off and, and it leaves a little ledge there. So you, you cut out the middle section and then you just cut back like an inch on each side back further. So you got a nice smooth cut that it sits down into. But some of the, the uh, grates and stuff actually have a um, a trough that goes with them that you can oh, yes, set yes. into and the concrete. Underneath, yes. Right, yeah, right. and so that uh, you know that sits into the concrete, uh, and you don't have to worry about it then. Yeah, let me ask. Let me say that. To ask you a question: four-inch concrete, great, same inch. Um, if you cut down um, uh, the size of the grate, yeah, only one inch deep, you have a, you'll have a ledge left over from the concrete uh, underneath it, right? Correct. Okay, all right. So that, and so it just you, it, so it just sits on that, and 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 it that'll right. hold just fine as long right. as you got the four inches. You know, the problem we run into sometimes is you get out and you you start looking, and it's the concrete has uh, high and low spots, and it's you know two inches thick. Yeah, that's getting kind of shaky then. Right, right. All right, I'll call you all first and see if it'll work. Thank you. All very right. Much. Merry Christmas, Take Alan. Care, bye. Bye. You too, buddy. So Dan in Shady Shores, he's asking about some roof shingles. He says, I saw an ad on the TV that was supposed to be a miracle roof shingle fixer-upper. They just sprayed a liquid on the roof, and it's supposed to rejuvenate the shingles. Have you seen this product or know anything about it? I have seen the product. I have looked at it and uh, into it a little bit. And yes, it... it, it uh, helps a little bit but at best it'll extend the service life five years at best uh, most of the time it's just getting you you know another year or two out of the roof and sometimes that's all you need you know you just need a little time to get uh, uh, the money together to do a new roof but the product is called roof max and uh, there's dealers uh, around the the country who can 
do it and basically it it sprays on it soaks into the shingle because the sh shingles are just asphalt so it soaks in and basically is rehydrating the shingles with an oil-like product uh, that's basically all it's doing now it cleans the the shingle at the same time so if you got the black staining and and uh, grains you know the granules are coming off and stuff like that it, it'll help with all that as well so uh, roof max is what you what you're looking for there's also another product that you can spray on the roof that uh, you know, helps it for the high wind you know how the shingles will curl up and and all that when uh, we have hurricanes and other storms come in that product is called roof guard it's an armor plate for your roof but both of these are short-term fixes at best uh, as far as your permanent fix it's new shingles that are uh, properly attached and if, you know, if you're on a uh, wind zone you know on the coast it, it means increasing the number of fasteners for the shingle and I say fasteners because there are different nails and staples and different things like that that people use. But all of them, when it's in the windstorm area, require more. And so that's the reason, uh, you know, you're not going to really fix that problem unless you replace the roof itself. I got an email from uh, Mike in Houston he says driveway replacement repair do you know of any reputable driveway concrete replacement repair contractors I do do West we replace driveways all the time now I know most people use wire mesh you know what what people like to call pig wire and and stuff I don't we don't do that we use number three rebar and we put it on 12 inch centers both directions uh, put it up on chairs so it's in the middle of the concrete and that's the reason I don't use the wire mesh you can't get it in the middle of the concrete it's always at the bottom because as they're pouring the concrete they're walking on it and that pushes it down and yes they reach in and try to pull it up but that's like reaching down and grabbing your boot laces and picking yourself up by your boots it don't work nor does it work to pull the wire up so we use the uh, rebar like I said number three rebar and uh, it's on 12 inch centers and that way it stays in the middle of the concrete where it's supposed to be and you, you get a better job that way so if you're going to have somebody else come out and do it uh, you're looking for rebar minimum of 3,000 psi concrete strength four inches thick and on the edges especially if it's someplace where uh you know the, the the concrete's not down into the ground good dig a little just a little couple inches trench down into the ground to let some concrete down uh to keep water from washing underneath the concrete and washing the soil away it, it doesn't take much to make a concrete job good so uh contractors i, I really want to encourage you to step up into doing some of this stuff as well i had a significant water leak at the shutoff valve in my yard I dug it out and had a plumber replace the broken valve which stopped the large water flow when the plastic valve cover and wet dirt were placed back in the hole I found that the cover and soil 
depressed areas were filled with water the next morning. I thought it was seepage from the wet dirt, so I removed the dirt again and left the hole open to dry. But there is water in the hole repeatedly, especially in the morning. I've dipped out the water three times, and it seems to come back in smaller amounts each morning. I marked today's morning level on a stick at 8 a.m., and so far it has stayed constant as of 1 p.m. Even though I've removed the dirt in about a two-foot diameter hole, I'm guessing that nighttime water wicking from the nearby soil is my problem instead of a bad plumbing repair. When I dip out all the water, there is no obvious leak. Your thoughts? Thanks, Billy. Well, Billy, um, more than likely it is just uh, moisture in the soil. You know, all the rains we've been having, the soils on the surface do get wet, and it's natural it's going to find the lowest spot. And right now the lowest spot is where you fix that leak. And so the as long as you leave it open... It's going to continue to do that. And once you fill in, put the box back in and fill in, you know, the, the loose soil will be more susceptible to it than uh, when the soil is consolidated. So don't don't be surprised when it has water in it. Uh, if the leak is, is fixed, your meter will no longer be spinning. And that's the easiest way to check to verify that the leak is fixed. You know, just that little triangle on the You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.